0: This is Do Good and Do Well, the podcast for people who want to make a positive difference in the world without losing themselves in the process. I'm Sarah Fox, Life, Business and Leadership Coach, and in this podcast, I'll be sharing stories from social and creative entrepreneurs and leaders to help inspire you as a change maker to do good and do well. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Fox and I'm so pleased to welcome you to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking to leadership executive and wellbeing coach Matt Duchesne. Matt works with a range of leaders and professionals across a variety of sectors with a specialism in educational leadership. He was the head teacher of a successful primary school in Kent following a career teaching in schools in coastal areas with high levels of need. Following the headship, he moved into international education development, working as the deputy director of education for a children's charity, working between the UK and Gujarat in northern India. He now supports leaders, schools, and organisations in their development and embedding of an authentic coaching culture. He is a passionate advocate for schools and has a desire to see well-being at the heart of every school culture. I'm so happy that Matt agreed to be one of my first guests. We talk about why we love coaching and how powerful it is to be listened to. We talk about values and what it is to be content and happy and how we can emerge from darker moments in life. Plus, we share news of our first collaboration together. I really hope you enjoy. Hello, Matt. Hi, Sarah. Full disclosure: Matt and I have known each other for a really long time. Um, but for those who don't know how brilliant you are, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yes, of course. Yeah, we have known each other since our early twenties, and we're not there anymore. Um, uh-huh. So, I um, my name is Matt DeShane, I work as a primarily as a leadership, executive, and well-being coach. I work. A lot with head teachers and school leadership teams as well as people outside of education. In a previous life, I was a primary school head teacher in Kent, which is where I live. And then I moved into international development and I worked for a children's charity working between London and northern India, where I was responsible for teaching, learning, leadership development in 230 schools uh, in northern Gujarat on the border of Pakistan. Um, and then, yeah, so I became a coach. I went self-employed 18 months ago. And yeah, as I said, now work primarily with head teachers doing a lot of one-to-one leadership, executive and well-being coaching with them.
0: It's just amazing to hear you talk about <laughs> what you've done in that space of time. And I know that, you know, thinking back when we were in our early 20s, that kind of seeing what our, our years would look like ahead, I'm not convinced that either of us would have seen us doing this kind of thing and sat here doing a podcast in
1: 2020 no not in the slightest and I sort of have to catch myself because it's just my my career professional journey I kind of forget sometimes that actually it's a bit unusual to some people because it is just what I did um so I have to sort of catch myself and think actually I really did have some incredible experiences that I never would have anticipated
0: And still are having incredible Absolutely.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's an exciting journey to be on now.
0: So this podcast is all about doing good and doing well. So when I say those words, what does that mean to you?
1: They are intrinsically linked for me, really. I think that when I embarked on this coaching business journey I didn't really know what I was letting myself in for and I still am a pretty dreadful businessman really Um, because the intention behind it is all about doing good and doing well and that for me is beyond myself so really about doing good is about supporting people and working with them and helping people be all they can be and also doing that in my home life as well that supporting my partner and we've had mental health issues in the house so how do we work through that by doing good things together and that for me links into what it means to do well that I want to do well in my business I want it to be a successful business but equally what I mean by that is I, I want people to benefit from it so it's about doing good things that make the world a better place and that's always been a driver for me I mean that's why I took this crazy job in India was going to work with communities in rural areas of India which I never I didn't even know that was a job before I saw it advertised. And so it's about making a difference to people, which then in turn makes a difference to me, that I know I'm doing good things and that I'm making the world a better place as much as I possibly can. Um, So that that kind of encapsulates it for me. And Mm -hmm. I want to do the very best job that I can, that I go into every coaching engagement, every training session I lead. It's all about, I want people to come away and say, actually that was really cracking and I'm really glad I joined, I'm really glad I've been part of this process. So it's about doing good things for other people and doing it really well.
0: Mm. So doing good things and doing it really well. Mm. So for those people who are on your course or your clients or the people that you've worked with in the past, what is it that you really want them to be able to take away what is the key thing for you
1: I think there are a couple of key things for me I think I want them to go away feeling empowered I want them to go away feeling that they've been listened to and heard and I want them to go away feeling that they've had and do have an ally and someone who really wants them to be the best they can be whatever that might look or sound or feel like but they know that in that in coaching engagement, but and beyond, I don't I don't really sever relationships. I kind of have a, a maintenance that goes with it. Um, but they've just felt that they've had somebody who they can be really honest with, really open with, someone that they trust with things that they might not share with other people. Um, and that they've just felt they've had somebody that they've just been able to trust and someone who feel that they've been invested in really authentically because someone who cares about them.
0: And hmm. why do you think that's important
1: I think I, I think I've had a few clients who I've probably been the first person that they've spoken to one-to-one on a deep level that they've had other conversations with other people but to have it rooted in a confidential space is really powerful and I see the relationships develop and go deep quite quickly where people can say we talk about barriers or what's stopping them moving forward and sometimes I can tell there's something there that they've not quite said yet and then they say it and then it's like oh my gosh that's amazing and then we start to move forward and it's just that it's such an amazing feeling when people trust you so implicitly that they talk about things that they've not been able to share elsewhere for all sorts of reasons and I think just having someone to talk to who you know isn't going to judge you is just going to take it as it comes, but it's equally going to challenge your thinking and open your mind. I think it's just so powerful, and I don't think many of us get that opportunity. And we're so busy and with our heads down getting on, particularly now, that actually we forget that that space to talk to somebody um, is so crucial and just makes a really big difference.
0: What difference does it make? To you to have that space to be listened to. Mm.
1: Oh, it's hugely powerful. And I found um like the supervision aspect of my coaching. So having supervision, for example, that's been really transformational in one reflecting on my own coaching practice, but equally having a chance to talk about it and then talk about my own what I'm going through. And I had the same thing when I had um, some counselling last year, was I went into it quite reticent thinking oh, I've, I knew I had things to talk about but I was like I'd, I'd walk up to a session thinking oh, I've got nothing to talk about today and then my counsel would just ask one question and then it would just be I'll talk for an hour and then he'd say time's up um and I hadn't even realized the time had gone so I think just having somebody who's objective but you know that somebody that they're invested in you um is just such a nice thing and initially it kind of feels a bit indulgent spending time on yourself and your self-care and topping yourself up but then actually you think if I don't do this then something else is going to give and it's really important that I talk these things through with somebody who I know it's not going to go anywhere but equally someone who's just going to hold me and help me move forward.
0: Yeah I agree and I think having also um, I have a supervisor and I also go um, and have psychotherapy that that kind of sense of being able to get to know yourself really well as well as being able to talk out loud feels that for me is that do well part of this is is that what is it that I need to feel nourished and need to feel grounded and resilient in order for me to then be able to make the difference that I really want to be able to make in the world and knowing also what it's like to be on the other side to be able to talk out loud and you're right it it can be um you know when you're both in it when you're both ready it is so powerful it is really transformational um and yeah I sort of feel like everybody everybody should have that opportunity to just be able to say what they're thinking Mm. in a safe space
1: yeah and I think that's it I think we all we all kind of filter our lives and what we say and who we say it to and how we say it and Having a place where actually that doesn't matter um, is just amazing. It is incredible because it, you know, we spend all of our lives living up to values that we hold for ourselves, but also other people hold us accountable. We fit within a society, we behave in certain ways. And actually, to have some time, even an hour, just to sit with somebody where you can kind of let the guard down and we'll lose those shackles of normality is just I, I I think it's an incredible process um, and it's, it's exhausting you know I, I, even as a client or as a coach it, it, on either side I come away quite exhausted and have to have some time to let things filter and settle but in that moment it's just liberating.
0: Mm. Yeah there's a couple of things there that really struck me you, you, you talked about values then and I just wonder whether you can um say a bit more about that Mm. you know what do you know what your values are do you feel connected to them Mm -hmm. and how do they um play a part in what you do
1: yeah absolutely I am I spent a lot of time last year thinking about my values and after I left my last job and so I had some space to kind of heal and think things through and so I spent a lot of time thinking about who I was because I think I'd lost some of that so I wanted to rediscover who I was as a human being and what I wanted to do with my life and part of that process was about values and about thinking well what's important to me and what do I want to be to other people and I did a lot of work on it and I kind of started and thinking oh I'm kind and I'm decent and I'm open Um, and I thought what does that actually mean and then I realized that I kind I had to make them into um, into doing words. Um, so kindness, I was thinking, yeah, I'm kind. And I thought, well, what does that actually mean? And lots of people say it. And I thought, well, actually, it's about being and doing. So I thought, well, actually, how do I demonstrate that I'm kind? And it was about being there for people, it was about being there for my friends and my family. It was about doing things that I knew made people feel better and just reaching out to people and just doing a quick check-in and saying, How are you? or just texting someone and saying oh I've been you popped into my head I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing and so that's where the values work came from it's about not just sitting and having them as passive values it's about how do they manifest themselves in my everyday life and then how do I reconcile that with a working environment and I now have the space where because I'm self-employed I actually get to think well what do I want to do who do I want to work with who's going to want to work with me And so now I'm fairly, I would say, pretty transparent in who I am as a human being and people buy in or they don't. But I think values shift and um, they constantly need work. But I think for me, they're rooted in authenticity, about being really true to who I am. I've learned lots of lessons over the last few years, uh, which have really shaped my viewpoint of the world. And I think it's just about, checking myself if I think oh this doesn't feel quite right and then say well what does that mean for me and has that sit with my value set um I don't know if I've answered that question completely does that make sense
0: it does make sense and I spend a lot of time with my group programs and with my one-to-one clients really trying to understand what people's values are because I I i talk about it as if they're they're like a signpost mm. you know you're on your journey whatever metaphor you want to go with but you're you're they're a big signpost for you and when you're heading in a, a slightly the wrong direction i think there can there's a real sense of misalignment yes and people feel off kilter mm. and so by a by being able to really know what your values are and i and i talk to lots of people about not intellectualizing your values it has to be from you it has to be the words that make sense to you what is you know what is on that signpost but then knowing that and connecting it to your purpose and your goals and all Mm. of those things I think gives a really good sense of what enables really good decisions to be made because then they feel right for you so if your values are on a signpost big neon Mm. sign Matt (laughs) What would it say?
1: Oh goodness! Um, I think it, it actually it kind of comes back to what the, the the name of the podcast. I think it would be about do good in the world, and so I think it would be for me it would be about um, these are not necessarily values, but I think it would be about be yourself, know yourself, and live it. Mm. I think that really kind of is a three that we encapsulate. I did I had some supervision a while ago, and. Um, There was quite a moment where we were talking about purpose and where that stemmed from. And it was quite an emotional uh, supervision session, which I hadn't been expecting. But something that my supervisor said was that, what if your purpose is just being Matt? And it's really, it it was like an epiphany moment. It's completely changed how I view things. And i changed the way I was working. I um, reflected on what I was doing and realigned myself. And then I thought, well, actually, that is it. And if Matt is doing good things, then that's enough. And have to work at it, undoubtedly. But it was actually that—that that was it. That my purpose is me, and then about what do I do with that?
0: Mm, yeah, I get that. Knowing what you know now, what would you tell twenty-year-old Matt?
1: I think I would reassure him. Actually, I think that um, I think for lots of people, confidence doesn't come until you get a bit older, maybe sort of in your forties or something. You think you're confident at twenty, but actually you're still discovering the world and finding your place within it. Um, I would say to him, I'd say, actually, you're going to do fine and it's going to be okay. And don't worry because things will all fall, they will fall into place. There'll be hiccups, but you'll manage them completely fine. And I think I'd just say, have as much fun as you possibly can along the way. Because I think there have been times when perhaps I wasn't having fun when I probably should have been. And I think I would say to him, Just ride it and just find the joy in whatever bits you can. It will all be good. So just live it as much as you possibly can. Um and don't worry about it too much. And I would also say quit smoking. I would say that to him (laughs) as well. Um that would be an early one. And maybe don't drink quite so much. But it was the I think I'll just say you're gonna be fine. Um, so go with it. It's gonna be all right, and you're gonna discover your voice and find out who you are, and you're gonna like who you are.
0: Mm, Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, you're going to like who you are. That, feel, that feels important.
1: Mm. And it's nice. It's a nice place. And actually, my partner, Dougie, he asked me the other day, I don't know what, how it came up, but he just said, how are you? I said, oh, actually, I'm really happy. And I think it'd been the first time I'd said that probably in about two years, maybe. And and I re- And I really meant it. And it was a really nice moment, just thinking, actually, no, I am, I am really happy. Mm. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that gets in the way at points. But fundamentally, I'm really quite happy. I'm in a good place.
0: Does that feel like a do-well part of the picture? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's
1: a, a kind of... I, did, I went on a course and I was talking about ikigai, the Japanese idea of purpose and what comes together and how you align all the different aspects of your life. And I was thinking, actually, I'm kind of feeling like I'm almost on that journey of getting to the center and that's a really contented feeling of thinking actually I'm doing good things I'm happy with what I'm doing my business is going in a nice direction I'm making a difference to people's lives um and I'm striking a balance in my in my work and my life and how I want to live it um and so I think yeah I think it does undoubtedly
0: come into that that is really, really lovely to hear because I know that there have been moments that have been very difficult for you. And I just wondered whether you would be up for sharing some of that, how you've, because I think a lot of the people listening to this podcast might be at the point where, you know, there is struggle and a kind Mm. of uncertainty about how to find that balance, how to find that contentment Mm. and happiness and, connect to purpose and all of those things so Mm. would you mind sharing um something that came up for you and how you yeah sure
1: um and I think and there's been a few I think for I think really it's been mental health and well-being has been the big kind of thing that's run through my life my partner's life over the last I don't know 10 years or so maybe um and we both left jobs with no jobs to go to we've both done that in the last few years where due to feeling um at odds with our professional lives and that dimension and where we fitted within it um I left a job where I was just I was completely out of kilter I didn't know who I was I completely lost sense of my identity I was doing a two and a half hour commute each way which was miserable going in because I didn't know what I was going into and then miserable coming out because it had been so shocking and that really was about me swimming up tide and just feeling really displaced. And that caused me to have a really big think about what I wanted out of life. And I think that the mental health issues that Dougie had had a few years ago um, had, re- had definitely shaped my viewpoint about when we get to a point where we're either swimming up, up the river or where we're going into work with those knots in our stomach where the, the normal Sunday night blues actually are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night blues. I realised actually at those points that I needed to make a change. And when when I left my last job and I felt really powerless and out of control and my counsellor said to me, he said, but actually you making a decision to take yourself out of that is the most empowering thing that you could have done and you ceased the control back because you made the decision. And that was a really important thing for him to say to me because it, one, it validated me, but it also kind of gave me the permission to say yeah I've made the right decision how do I now make this work for myself and that was the next stage of thinking and I had to do work to get better and kind of clear my head and all of those things but having that moment of saying actually something needs to give and it's why I have a a bit of a challenge with the word resilience is that sometimes resilient or being resilient is a euphemism for putting up with nonsense mm. or putting up with stuff that's really rubbish um, and I don't think that's helpful and I think I've had to learn from myself and reconcile it about what does resilience mean to me? How do I push through things? And how do I kind of put myself into the stretch zone and feel uncomfortable? But equally, I'm not prepared to put up with stuff that I know is completely unacceptable. And that for me isn't resilience. And so that's what I've learned along the way, I suppose, as I've started to figure out what my trigger points are, what I'm comfortable with, what I'm uncomfortable with, and then what panics me. And then how do I make sure I don't get to that point ever again? Hopefully it won't, you never know. But I've got the strategies now that I think I could deal with it in a different way. So I think that through through that adversity, I've learned a lot of lessons. And I think some of those moments, ironically now have been the best things that ever happened to us. And our lives are very different now as a result of those mental health crises and so on. At the time it was very black and very dark and bleak, but actually it has caused us to reevaluate our lives in a much better way where we are more contented we don't necessarily live that bigger better faster more lifestyle it's about being content with what we've got with a few nice things added on of course but Mm. saying actually we what we have is enough and that's a really nice place to be
0: Mm. can you share what some of your um non-negotiables are or you know the things that you would definitely not find acceptable now
1: I think it would be it would it comes down to behaviors of people actually so I wouldn't tolerate people shouting at me I wouldn't tolerate people being uh unkind I wouldn't tolerate people who are one thing one day and another thing the next day um people who treat other people differently because of their perceived status for me it's about equity so non-negotiable with you know being anti-racist uh being um someone who's homophobic all of those things about for me e- equity and equality are really important to me so I think those be non-negotiables it's about human behaviors and sometimes behaviors are manifested because of things that are underneath it and sometimes you can work on that and figure that out whereas other things I think actually we just need to be kind we need to be decent we need to be open with each other and we just need to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be mm-hmm. which is a supportive and nice I suppose it's a it always sounds like a weak word but I think actually being nice to each other is a really good thing to be so I think that's what it would come down to is where people are just kind of you know if they're just unkind or not nice Mm. or aggressive those kind of things really
0: Mm. and you mentioned a bit earlier on about you also need some nice things we are here This is enough, but we also yeah
1: yeah I know. <laughs> like yeah, so,
0: what are your luxuries? Yeah. Like? What are the things well, you can't oh do my without? me!
1: A nice wine, um, and then I like a nice car. So I do have a kind of a nice car, and but then other it's just simple things actually. I think the biggest thing for me actually is just having time. I think that was a bit of a luxury before that kind of run ragged, and I think now actually having a bit of time to sit and think and read is a nice thing to have as well so it's not just about the material things um it's also about having time together as a couple and enjoying each other's company being able to have a holiday is a really great thing so we were able to have a week away uh, a few weeks ago just before lockdown and just having that time together walking with a dog and things so they're not always they don't have to be huge things but um you know I do like shoes as well I have to say so uh, I do like you nice like shoes, shoes. <laughs> Yeah. I do.
0: <laughs> um, and I think that is interesting because there can be so much shame around saying that actually I like stuff, Ooh. that I like nice things. but knowing that like knowing who you are and what brings you joy, you know, yeah. if that is your car, then that's what brings you joy. Yeah. Um absolutely. if it's walking the dog and getting muddy, that's what brings you joy. Yeah. You know, we are we are who we are and of course we have to kind of keep one eye on the impacts that our choices make on the world. Mm. Yeah, I sort of feel like there's a lot of shame around saying I like nice stuff. Yeah, so um okay, Matt, mm. you and I have got something very special coming up would you like to talk about it
1: yes absolutely um so um Sarah and I've been thinking for a long time um about the work that we do and because my work primarily was head teachers um and being one myself I have an understanding of what that job is like although now it is obviously with COVID it has been a, a it's been a really different leadership journey over the last year but something that I recognized in myself as a leader was that actually I was a bit lonely at times and sometimes very difficult to step outside of your leadership team it's difficult to step outside of yourself you're a community leader as much as a school leader so you're all things for all people at, at different points we thought about well, what does that mean for well-being and positive mental health and head teachers feeling supported and then the other side of it is that often and I knew that as a head teacher you had a really limited budget very rarely spent money on ourselves because you look at the you do the budget sheet and you think well there's no money for that but you invest in CPD for your staff, but headteachers are often at the back of that queue because you put yourself last. And the notion of like servant leadership and empowering your communities, the head teachers often put themselves second. So we thought about what does that mean and what can we do about that. So we'd started to work on something, but then COVID completely derailed it. So we've had a chance to re-look at it and think about what we want to do together. And so what we'd have developed is a Six-month coaching program, group coaching and development program for head teachers um, in Kent, where they can come together initially virtually three times for action learning and group coaching, one-to-one coaching experiences, reading in between, and then the chance to come together. Hopefully, if we're all inoculated, in June for two days, one night in a great hotel in where we get together to to learn together as a group but also to celebrate where we've come from what we've done and just to share our learning and get some outside space so to get outside on the beach to clear our heads to think more deeply so that kind of encapsulates is there's really a chance for a group of heads to come together to form a really good professional network outside of the ones they might normally have a space that's steeped in confidentiality and trust and honesty and openness and authenticity where they can really be who they are but know that those moments where Something might have happened, they've had a curveball, they've had a crisis, that there's people there that they can go to who they can trust implicitly. Mm.
0: I'm really, really excited about about doing this because I think you and I have had those conversations over the years. And I think with what the two of us can bring and Mm. to to create this really wonderful space for a group of people who are working so hard Mm. right now and don't always put themselves first and actually you know I mean, this is a lot of the stuff that I talk about, is that you you need to get back to the basics, you need to be well in order to yeah. make the difference you want to make. So to be able to create a really wonderful space for a group of people to figure out where they might feel a bit misaligned or reconnect to their purpose or yeah. get some tips or or find some other connections with with fellow head teachers just feels really it feels like such a brilliant thing to do and i think once we've got that group of people together we can really build that program yeah. for mm. them and initially it's kent because we've had some funding from the martello fund as part of the kent community foundation um but you know hopefully after that it will really open up yeah. um to the uk global man <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely and i think what you get because it's a you
1: know it, it it's bespoke for the group that you have, so that's what they you can get. Is that it can be shaped for the needs of that group, and it's that thing of, of for head teachers. It's I think a lot of the head teachers I speak to at the moment talk about that they they're spending more time in the management part of their roles as opposed to the leadership part of their roles, which is inevitable right now. And so it's about saying, well, where does leadership sit with you, and where does that fit with your well being, mm. and how do you re-spark the joy that potentially you've either lost or you've lost sight of because of the things that you're doing currently head teachers have always worked hard but it's much more intense now than it ever has been but to say why did you become a leader what does that mean for you and this will impact on their schools but it is about them and I think that's the rarity here is often head teacher leadership programs and group coaching is often about them and their schools and their discussions are about their schools and their children and their staff and so on and this is about them And I think that's where the power is going to come, is that it's undoubtedly going to impact positively on their communities, but it is about investment in themselves. And from that, that's where the power and the joy is going to come.
0: Mm. So it's called shaping perspective, and I'll make sure that there are some details in the notes um, so people know how to access it. If you're interested, just connect with either me or Matt and Mm. we will talk to you, but it's... um, I'm just also very excited to work with you, Matt, and I'll yeah, go and develop something. <laughs> uh, it's good that we get on. Yeah, yeah, luckily. Um okay, so um just to finish up then, what's the thing you want to say to people? What what's the one thing you'd love them to take away from listening to this mm-hmm. podcast?
1: I would say that there's great power in reaching out to other people. I think that probably is it. It's those moments, even when it's bleak, when you're feeling like you're on your own, it's overwhelming, you're isolated. There are people out there. I've been amazed by, so Twitter in lockdown, has been transformational for me. It's just been joyous. And I've made connections with, with people who are now friends, I would say. And that's been a really lovely experience that people I would never have connected with actually now I feel I have a really deep human meaningful connection with them so I would say it's those moments there is always going to be someone out there and even or if it's a professional organization there are people out there that you can go to should you so those moments where feeling isolated or overwhelmed or battered actually there are people out there so reach out I think that's where the power comes and there are people out there who are always going to listen mm
0: thank you matt thank you for being one of my first yeah thank you for having me Um, i just think the stuff that you're doing and that the support that you are giving this group of people who have been really affected with what's Mm. happened is amazing so keep going how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out about you
1: so i probably spend 15 hours a day on Twitter, so that's probably the easiest way. My handle is at Matt Deshane, uh, which is D E C H A I N E. Also, my website dot So, those are the best ways, or you can email me, Matt at mattdeshane.com. So, that's all. That. But Twitter is probably the best bet.
0: Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. You're Take, very care.
0: welcome. Take care. Take care. hope you found that interesting and that something really resonated with you do let me know if you're interested in the shaping perspectives program you can have a look at our website www.shapingperspective.com or you can find us on twitter i'll put all the links in the show notes and if you enjoy listening to this podcast make sure you subscribe and review and keep listening and if you're a change maker, doing good and wanting to do well, then please come over to my Facebook group and join us. Take very good care.